From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Levy Hartfield is out this week. Today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. If you have a pet question that needs to be answered, let Dr. Major help you out. Cat people, dog lovers, and everyone in between, this is your free vet visit. You don't need any insurance. Also, if you have any general wildlife experiences, you can call in and share with us as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email, animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week. So the doors to the pet hospital are open today. If you have a pet question that needs to be answered, Dr. Major is here to help you out. Uh, cat people, dog lovers, everyone in between, this is your free vet visit, and you don't need insurance. Also, if you have any general wildlife experiences that you'd like to call in and share with us, we'd appreciate that as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Always a reminder that if you miss the Creature Comforts broadcast on Thursdays, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well today. Good morning. Very good. Thank you. Uh, first, I guess I uh, wanted to talk about, uh, obviously, uh, a big uh, event for most of Mississippi, I think, last Friday, and that being snow in the central Mississippi area. Uh, I think we got, uh, at least in my neighborhood, almost close to four inches of snow. Uh, so um, maybe might not have that severe weather for the rest of the year, but it is winter time. It is getting colder. What are again just some general reminders? You know, things to keep in mind uh, when cold weather comes around in terms of our pets. Right. You know, in a non-scientific survey of pets that uh, in, got out in the snow, there was a large majority. I think that it was kind of like kids. They uh, they enjoyed it. Uh, I saw a video where uh, somebody was throwing snowballs. And, and it was hard enough the dog would retrieve it and bring it back. So, <laughs> And then other dogs would burrow in the snow just like, hey, this is great. And uh, I had one lady said she had to take a, a hair dryer and dry the dog off because it had ice balls <laughs> hanging on it when he, came, when he came, came back to the house. So a lot of the animals did enjoy it, and I'm sure some didn't. And we go back to the old thing when, with cold weather and rain. Our, our animals, dogs or cats, need some shelter. They need a place to get out of the wind uh, and and the cold. And we do a pretty good job in most cases of providing for them. And, of course, the majority probably of our pets are inside animals, so that makes a difference. But uh, the outside pets, they definitely need a place that they can get uh, where it can be sheltered from wind, cold, and some bedding and make sure that they have water that they can drink if it gets that cold because things can ice up, and then they would be without water. Uh, but by and large, I think everybody did real well with this latest snow. It was it was not a critical thing, but it was fun, I guess. 
Well, that's my, my thought about snow in the south is it's usually around long enough just for people to have some fun with it. You know, go out and build a snowman, maybe have a snow snowball fight, that sort of thing. And then it melts away in a couple of days, whereas I know uh, people who live in other parts of the country where the snow is a little bit more of a problem. You know, it snows and then it sticks around and it gets all that slushy and yucky, dirty, icy kind of stuff. And uh, it's not as much fun. So I'm glad uh, that he- here down in the south it can still be rare enough that we can all – Freak out, run outside, you know, take videos. I know my Facebook feed was filled with uh, all everybody's snow pictures, which I added mine as well. So uh, hopefully we had a fun time with it. But, again, some important reminders uh, in the cold weather to keep our pets in mind and make sure they have those basic uh, requirements. We've got some open phone lines. This is a pet uh, day today, all pet questions coming in. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> Dr. Major, what's your thought about <clears throat> giving a gift of a an animal, a pet of some sort? With some forethought, it doesn't need to be a surprise in most cases. I, I would say forethought, uh, some counseling. I, I know my grandson wanted a, uh, a puppy uh, soon. But through counseling and talking, he decided it was not the thing. His mother, with his mother's help, uh, decided it was not the thing at this point. However, uh, probably he'll be ready for one soon. But I was glad to be able to talk to them, and they they were able to understand. But you know, pets are a responsibility, and it's a gift, uh, especially a gift of a pet. If uh, you haven't discussed it before, can be an issue. Uh, so give some forethought, and that's that's important. Uh, of course, we're in the Christmas season now, and people like to give things. And, you know, replacing an animal that's passed away, a lot of times, that may be a surprise. But you need to be able to communicate uh, and understand the person that you're gifting the pet to, that, hey, this is something that they want and are, are ready for. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, maybe for younger kids that uh, to help, kind of help them teach uh the responsibilities of pet ownership would say something like a hamster or a gerbil that, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but would seem to have a little less care involved and maybe sort of a starter pet. I don't know if that's right, the right term for it, but could that be a suggestion? Again, though, I will agree with you wholeheartedly, especially for a kid. You don't want to give a minor a pet without the parents of uh, being in on the decision ahead of time. Right. And of course, you know, we have uh, a tr- tremendous number of pets and shelters in the area and this is a good time to uh, both give gifts uh, of food, et cetera, to the shelters, but also to, if you're looking for a pet, I'd certainly consult there and see what see what they might have. Uh, the, the other thing we'll talk about maybe in a little bit would be Christmas and the many things that can go on during Christmas uh, from the standpoint of both plants, mm-hmm. uh, food, et cetera. So uh, always... Do your research, and of course, sometimes I get in trouble with my own kids. When I say do your research, they've already done it before I said it, and uh, they're prepared and ready to uh, say, hey, this is what we want. All right. We've got a caller on the line, I think wants to continue our line of discussion. It's a Kelly in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Kelly. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Um, so I'm debating on, I want to get my six-year-old a pet, and she's We've kind of narrowed it down between parakeets and a hamster. But I, my main concern is, is like, airborne pathogens from parrots. That, we have an asthma in the household. So I'm worried, 
you know, that maybe asthma might be a consideration with the carrot versus the hamster. But I just wanted your opinion on, um, you know, basically which one is less likely to get her sick. Great, great question. And, of course, it, you may have done research already, but our, our parrots do have a dander uh, that goes from their plumage or wings or feathers and can cause some people some problem. There's a recommendation. Uh, I have, can't remember seeing it recently, but a recommendation that you should not uh, be in the same room where you sleep with a parrot uh, because of the accumulation of dander or the the dust, actually, that's secreted. How how old is this person that you were talking about getting a pet for? Six years old. Yeah. You know, and we had started to talk about that. A lot of times, you know, a pocket pet, which I call the hamsters and gerbils, that sort of thing, can be a great first pet. There's a responsibility with that, though, and it requires some supervision, especially in a younger child, that they uh, – Learn good husbandry, uh, how to take care of it, maintain cleanliness, cleanliness, and uh, feed proper, feed and water properly. So, there is some responsibility even with the tiny pits, and uh, I would encourage you to uh, seek out some educational material, education, at least training uh, concerning the hamster. If you got a hamster, they can make a great pet. Guinea pigs can make a great pet as well. All right. Thank you. All right, Kelly, we appreciate your call. Uh, it's an all-pet day on Creature Comfort, so we're looking for your pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. One thing to remember with uh, the parrots, for example, we're talking about a, a long-term obligation there because uh, I've got my parrot, Chester. He's pushing 35 years old now, mm-hmm. and I've had him since he was a uh, baby uh parrots can live for anywhere from 30 to 60 years so you have to kind of think about that when you get especially one of the larger parrots like an amazon or african gray but i I do think if if you talk about what we've been talking about dr major the idea of you know preparing your kids for them and sort of letting them understand the that there is a responsibility involved with it that a pet is a good way to kind of help kids uh, learn about the responsibilities like uh, you know, feeding, cleaning cages, uh, that sort of thing. So it, it and you know, that's uh, it, it can be a good a good thing if if you do your as you say your your research and your homework up front. Exactly. Uh, we've got some open phone lines, uh, and we've got a caller on the line. It's an all pet day today. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So before the break, let's go to T in Gulfport. Good morning, T. Hey, good morning. This is Kay. Kay, sorry. Go ahead. Good morning. No problem. Um, actually, this is, well, it may involve, involve a pet, but it's um, regarding trying to identify what sort of bird was involved in what was probably a very vicious and violent attack because I found feathers of the bird on the front porch. And there are neighborhood cats and my question is, with these feathers, how can I try to identify what sort of bird was perhaps involved? That's interesting. You'd have to do some forensic work, I guess. But uh, what color were the feathers? Would a taxidermist or what co- photos what, to someone? Sure. Oh. What, what color were the feathers? Mostly a beautiful reddish-brown coloring. 
Okay. The first thing that comes to mind would be a, maybe a female red bird. Uh, the no, it wasn't like a robin or uh, the brown. The a brown, much bigger bird, I would suspect. The brown thrasher or thrush uh, might be a possibility. Tohe this might would be. Have a, happened late at night. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, good question, and it would be difficult. You could send some uh, photos to uh, the museum. The museum, uh, they would be able to help you possibly identify that. Okay. Okay. If you do have some photos of the the uh, the feathers and want some assistance, uh, uh, email it to us at animals at mpbonline dot org. We'll give it to the folks uh, at the museum where uh, and see if we can't come up with some information for you. Although taxidermist might also be a way to go if you have one in your area. Thanks for the call. Time to take a quick break. It's on all pet day on Creature Comforts. We're looking for your pet questions this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, so it's an all-pet day today. We're looking for pet questions for Dr. Major. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 Got a couple of calls on the line. Uh, let's start again in Greenwood. Marsha has called in today. Good morning, Marsha. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, I have a 14-year-old Yorkie who periodically wheezes, and I have been told that Yorkies have a predilection for tracheomalacia. Um, is this the case, and is there anything that can be done such a, as a course of steroid or something? Right. And he does he have, like, attacks of this, or is it? Yes. He starts wheezing and um, okay. hacking. Right. Sometimes it's difficult to, to diagnose, but the symptoms are there that you, you're describing. There are some medications that can be used uh, without having to resort to steroids. Sometimes steroids may be uh, indicated. One of the ones which uh, wasn't my original idea but came from uh, specialist Mississippi State and elsewhere was to, when the, if you have a collapsing trachea situation, is to consult with your veterinarian about using low motile. Oh. That uh, in and of itself sounds like an opposite type thing that you would want to do. But there is a situation, and it is listed as a possibility that you could use for collapsing trachea. We have one dog. Gosh, that dog uh, has been on that for quite a while. Uh, if I say his name, some of the people will know his name is Doc Xanax. But uh, he, <laughs> he's some dog. And uh, anyway, that dog had been on that for quite a while. Is so. it on uh uh, continuous use or just when he starts wheezing? Well, sometimes it has to be on more continuous than not, and there's can adjust the dosage uh, accordingly. And uh, talk to your vet about it, and uh, I think possibly that would be something that could be done. And it has low, not not a lot of side effects, okay? And do tr- tr- uh, Yorkies have this predilection? There is uh, an increased incidence in Yorkies with this. Okay. And, and other small small breed dogs as well. Uh, okay. But, uh, yes, Yorkies, 
not everyone has it. And I've, I've raised Yorkies before and had Yorkies and, uh, they're great little dogs and he, you've done well. He's 14. So keep, keep up the good work. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for calling Marsha. This is creature comforts on MPB think radio. We have some open phone lines for your pet question at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can always email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We're off to Mobile next. Robert is on the line. Good morning, Robert. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning, guys. I have a uh, like a two and a half year old uh, Yorkie Maltese mix. I have two dogs, actually. I have a boxer. I cannot house train the small dog. Wow. I, I, I've, I've tried every everything. Uh, I've tried kennel training him. Um, he he will go outside on a schedule with my other dog. Um, are there? Does the smaller dog have, you know, like that need to go out more or? You know, it dep- and, depends on the dog about that. Yeah. But go ahead. And he always yeah. seems to go on my daughter's bed <laughs> or my sofa. Right. And it it it, it enrages me. <laughs> right. Is this uh? uh urination that he's doing or defecation yeah both both okay there are some dogs that are very difficult to train some of them i hate to use the word incorrigible but uh some never learn yeah and for some and for some born with one eye and i don't know if there's any cognitive and he seems to be a normal dog in any other right and you've done you've done the crate training the biggest thing that I could say that might help is still, you know, confine him away from those areas if you can. Yeah. And, and I try, uh, try to keep them shut. I'm right. wondering if I should try, like, some puppy pads. That might work. Uh, by the doors or right. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to give him up. I would, re- I would definitely try the puppy pads and maybe try to confine him a little bit, look, a little bit closer uh, away from those areas, okay? Yeah. Good luck to you. That's that's not an easy thing, and I know it yeah. sounds, sounds like you've really tried. So, and my daughter's really attached to him, and I don't right. want to, you know, bring him to a shelter. Or, well, you know, I, w- I would encourage you to keep working with him, and hopefully, yeah. uh, you can hit upon something. Now, some of the dogs do respond to the puppy pads. Now, has he really? been has he been neutered? I uh, has not been neutered. Okay, you know that's another possibility that might help. I don't know that it yeah. will. Yeah. But it certainly might help. Okay. All right, Robert, thanks for calling in today. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines for your pet question on this pet day. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. You know, Dr. Major, earlier you mentioned uh, the holidays are here and, and there are some things to think about and be concerned about uh, with our pets, both maybe from some of the plants we might have in the house, some of the food that we eat. And also, I'm thinking uh, specifically for, for cat owners, uh, some of the holiday decorations. I know that I pretty much have given up on having a Christmas tree because my cat loves the ornaments. Uh, but the other thing that I think would be of concern would be, you know, things like tinsel and those sorts of things because cats love to play with string, but that can be very dangerous. Yes, it can. And somebody had a picture the other day, and it was more like a cat tree. I think there were three cats up in <laughs> up in the tree, uh, not by design, but actually they just they just wanted to be there. And certainly, there are things that we do need to guard against. Number one, our trees do need to be watered, 
but we need to be careful of what we put in there. I think just plain water does a better job because if you put the uh, some of these preservatives or other additives in the water, your cat, dog might drink that and could be an issue. Uh, there may be some additives that are pet safe, but I would be very careful with that. Tinsel uh, is a basically, if you've got cats, it should be a no-no simply because cats being cats, they will play with that. It's shiny and they can ingest it and it can cause some serious problems. Uh, any type of string or tinsel could be an issue. Uh, the other thing are plants and, you know, a lot of time our house plants we we've had them for years and we don't think it's a problem but then you get a cat maybe a new cat or a young cat and it starts to chew or eat on a plant and it can be some serious type things we had a situation uh, a couple of weeks ago where a cat had started to chew on the plant and it actually went into a tachycardic situation i mean just a really really extreme heart rate and was semi-paralyzed. Wow. So be careful when you introduce a new plant to the house or if you have a new pet and have plants where maybe nobody else had been messing with them, sometimes a young animal will. Uh, but just take extra precautions, if you will, this time of year. And, of course, the, the food thing goes along. We see a lot of... Uh, a lot of people would call it garbage gut or whatever, but we see a lot of in, inappropriate eating this time of year, and uh, that's that's one of the problems we share with our pets in a lot of cases. <laughs> and then sometimes it's not designed. Uh, chocolate or something on a coffee table or a cocktail table certainly is appealing to a dog and that's, or a cat, and they can reach that. So be very careful with that and other other foods. Uh, but chocolate, I think, is definitely a, a no-no for both dogs and cats. And, you, and you're right with with the, all the kind of candies and things uh, during the Christmas season. That's certainly one to to definitely watch out for. Right, the dark chocolate is the worst, of course. But uh, they can have some pretty severe GI upsets with any of that, plus uh, any of the things that they eat that they're not used to, uh, whether it's uh, overload of turkey or dressing and stuff like this. And we've had cases where the dogs. Larger dogs have gotten on the kitchen counter and eaten most of a turkey, and that can, that can be pretty pretty disastrous. So you're, you're right. As you mentioned, it's like humans. If, if we eat too much or if we eat too much rich food, sometimes we don't feel well, and I think uh, that would be the same for your pets. And if you know how miserable it is when you eat too much, uh, you don't want your pet having to go yes. through that as well. Yes. Back to the phone lines we go. Mike's in Starkville with a question for us. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, doctor. Hey, good morning. I, I just moved here from uh, central Mississippi, uh, Hattiesburg area, and uh, I've got a geriatric dog with just uh, parts of the and arthritis, and um, I'm not sure how to find a good veterinarian. This is a uh, Do you have any suggestions on uh, uh, how, what makes a good veterinarian, and how do you find them? Right, it's a great question, and, you know, it is one, sometimes it's a difficult thing. Uh, word of mouth is still one of the better better ways you know people can have uh wonderful looking uh websites blogs whatever but word of mouth from other people in the area from the standpoint of their pets and then it's good to uh, maybe do a trial interview with the vet just to see how they they uh relate to you and to your pet it's a two-way street i mean they can't just relate to you and not with a pet 
So they have to have uh, empathy, if you will, for the problems that that pet might have. They're good veterinarians in Starkville. My suggestion would be to talk to other people if you can and uh, use your judgment based on the needs of your dog. Yeah, uh, I've, uh, I had a, uh, another uh, dog, a Belgian Malinois, with a spinal injury, and he was treated at uh, MSU Exit yeah. Clinic, but uh, that's sort of, you know, more of an acute care than chronic care. I understand. And uh, they're, as I said, they're excellent vets in the area there. And uh, my suggestion would be to feel comfortable after either interviewing or taking your pet and, and for, you know, for a trial run, if you will. All right, uh, Mike, thanks for the call. I think, I think that's a good point, just like you would uh, with uh, maybe a doctor or a financial advisor. You know, go check them out, see how they interact with you and your pet. And if you are comfortable, fine. If not, you know, there are other vets in the area. And that, I'm sure Dr. Major, is, as a veterinarian, if someone comes in and chooses to go to another clinic, you're, you're certainly not offended or anything. It's just, you know, a best match for, for whoever's involved. True. Word of mouth, though, still is one of the uh, prime things. Uh, I don't know that uh, the person, the caller had friends that he could talk to with pets, but certainly uh, I would suggest that that is one of the better ways uh, to locate a vet. Or also, I would imagine maybe if he were to contact his old vet in Hattiesburg and, and, and that vet knew of one of them in the Starkville area, that might be a way to go as well. Great point. Good. All right, let's take another break. When we get back, we'll continue looking for your pet questions because it's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. The number to call, and we've got some open phone lines, is one eight seven seven mpb ring our phone number, 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, so it's an all-pet day today. We're looking for pet questions for Dr. Major at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 7464 Kathleen is on the line from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I have an ongoing question. It doesn't seem to get solved. Um about cat food they've got the box store stuff which is reasonable or cheap and then you've got the stuff that the vets want you to feed the cats which is 23 dollars a bag and up what can we do or is there a circumstance that we can work out to feed the pets a little more reasonably because when you've got 10 it's a problem I understand. And, you know, it gets to be expensive. You're right. Uh, in your case, my thinking is this, and I just want to feed a good quality cat food, okay? And my suggestion would be kind of to go to the middle of the road with that many cats. When I say middle of the road, there's some good cat foods. Uh, you can, I hate to advertise certain brands, but uh, if I had to pick one, and we can pick many, I guess, but your Imes, Imes cat food is, is excellent middle-of-the-road cat food. It's not terribly expensive, and I hate to say a brand because I could say other brands as well, 
but that one is one that uh, I know is a good quality food, and they have different foods based on the ages of the cats. So if you have more old cats than than young cats, uh, certainly you'd want to go to a mature diet uh, regardless. And as I said... I, I have two that are 13 years old and constantly, constantly are getting the UGIs. And the last time I took the mail in... Between the visit, the shots, and all the stuff, it was $285. Yes. Uh, I can't afford that every other month or every fourth month. So I've been getting the expensive food and uh, feeding all of them that, mainly because I can't set out 10 bowls and monitor 10 bowls. It gets to to be an issue. I understand that. And what what are you feeding now, CD or something along that line? it's called exclusive. Okay. By and, uh, who makes that? You know. Uh, good question. Okay. Uh, I have a I have a co-op that's working with me, and they're bringing it in, and I'm buying it from them because no one else carried it. Okay. It's the most reasonable. It's twenty six dollars a bag, and everywhere else it goes anywhere from twenty six to thirty six. Right. So uh, uh, it, it is a dilemma, and the main thing that you're worried about or concerned about would be the magnesium-phosphorus uh, ratio uh, with that food. And I'm not sure that I, I know that food, uh, but it probably is a good probably a good food based on what you're saying, and hopefully you yeah. won't have any more UTI-type I, I think I problems. think it's the top end of Purina. I'm okay. not sure. Okay. But uh, when you have a pet like that, anybody who knows me knows I cook 24-7 because I like to. Can I cook for my cats, and what? How would I do that? You can, and uh, there's some good uh, recipe books online. A recipe book for the cats, okay? Well, for pets, and it's also recipes designed for animals that have specific problems. But oh. uh, I would suggest that yes, you could. I cannot recall the name of the book that I use right this minute. But uh, if you, uh, I don't know if you, uh, will leave <coughs> leave your number. I'll try to get back with you after I've checked that. But if you'll go online and look under recipes uh, for your cat, and it may be something that you uh, could do if you like to cook. Okay. All right, Kathleen. Thanks for the call. Always good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all pet day, and we've got some open phone lines ready for your pet question. The number to call is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's 877-672-7464. You can always email the show uh, at animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, earlier we talked about the idea if uh, you're giving someone a pet for Christmas, make sure that all the family members know what's going on. Certainly, again, if it's for a kid, make sure the parents know what's going on. Or if you're a parent uh, that's choosing a pet as a family gift, what are some things to think about uh, when the new uh, family member arrives, a little puppy or a kitten? Uh, how do you make uh, your house uh, ready for the arrival of a new pet? Good question. And a lot of times it's better, depending on the age of the animal, to keep it on the food that it's been on, you know, rather than just changing to any type of food. And I would talk to the person that raised the pet or to the shelter and find out what type of food that animal has been eating. Uh I would suggest in nearly every case it would be wise to get 
into the veterinarian within 48, 72 hours and have that pet checked over, uh, do a full exam, bring it up to date on shots if it needs to have those, and uh, get records, if you will, either from the shelter or from the breeder who has the pet. Uh, that's important because there are diseases, especially that the young ones can catch and certainly need to find out in the older ones whether it's been on heartworm preventive or or not as well. All right. Uh, just curious to follow up to Kathleen. Uh, I just did a quick Google search of how to make homemade pet food or whatever, and there's a bunch of, of uh, links. This is interesting. This sounds pretty good, actually. This is for a dog food. Uh, heat homemade heat olive oil in a large stock pot or Dutch oven over medium heat. Add ground turkey and cook until browned, uh, making sure to crumble the turkey as it cooks. Stir in spinach, carrots, zucchini, peas, and brown rice. So that sounds, I don't know if that's, Whatever, but that sounds like you and your dog almost might be able to sit down and eat that together. <laughs> Absolutely. And there are numerous recipes out there. The main thing is try to get one that's balanced. And in the case of those cats who have, that uh, Kathleen has that have UTI, uh, certainly you need to be aware of that when you're fixing the food. All right. Got another phone call to get to, and it's Jim who's called in from Lake Village, Arkansas today. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Hi, Thank Jim. you for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. I've got a couple of outdoor cats uh, that have started using my wife's uh, outdoor uh, plants as litter box, as a litter box. Um, and I suppose the logical thing to do would be to get a litter box, but I really don't want a, a litter box on my front porch. Sure. Uh, any idea about what I can do about that? Yes. Uh, how big a boxes are we talking about as far as the plants? How, the, are they in pots? Oh. Uh, yeah, they're in pots. They're pretty good-sized pots. I'd say a couple of feet in diameter. Right. For some reason, they like that uh, soil that's in there, loose soil, I guess. Some people right. have tried mothballs. I don't know if you've tried that yet or not, but mothballs will deter cats in some situations. The other thing would be to put some sort of, like, mesh wire, if you could cut that and put it around the around the plants. Uh, other than that, it's going to be difficult to... To, to keep them away, there are some preparations that can be used that might help from your hardware store, but you don't want to hurt your cats either. So uh, I would suggest trying the mothballs and then possibly some screen or something that you could put around the plant without hurting the plant, but it would deter the cats. The other thing would be in the pots maybe to use some rocks uh, where they couldn't get to the soil. But they, that's a good idea. They like they like the uh, soft dirt, and that's what they're going for. Okay. <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. All good right. luck to you. Thanks, Jim, for the call. I like that idea that, uh, like you just said there, Doctor Major, the idea of rocks in the top. Because yeah, I don't think a cat uh, is going to go uh, use a, a rocky spot as a litter box unless it's a, a last resort. That's for and, sure. And probably, probably the plants are protected, so. You know, if they're used to going outside in the flower bed or something outside, uh, it's been wet, and uh, they said, hey, this is a good good location. This is set up for us. <laughs> and so. Getting back to the, welcoming the new pet, again, if it is a little kitten, um, it's almost like they seem to have just sort of an instinctual thing. If you show them the litter box, which is the nice soft spot for them to use to go to the bathroom, it's – there's not much teaching involved there, at least, at least from my experience. It seems like they, yeah. they catch on to that pretty quick. 
that's one of the unique things and pretty pretty amazing about cats. And I do have, uh, you know, they they learn quickly, and that's that's amazing. Even cat kittens that are six weeks old or under know that if they can get to that litter box, they they like that. The other thing to remember, and we've talked about this before, to try to avoid problems would be it would be to have a litter box per cat mm-hmm. plus one if you have a bunch of cats. So it's more than a lot of people want to do, but it does help cut down on inappropriate uh, urination and defecation. And that single thing is one of the biggest reasons that animals are put up in the shelter, hmm. uh, the fact that they're soiling uh, the house in various places. And I would say uh, as something, a cat owner that's done this myself occasionally, uh, be sure to be good about uh, cleaning out the litter box. Uh, you know, they don't like to have to kind of move around in there, so keep it as clean as possible. Um, I actually found a, a product online that's kind of a sifting litter box where it's got three plastic uh, bins that interconnect, and so you just pick one up and sift it out, and, and it's easy to get rid of the, the waste that way, and I found that that has helped me. With the old scoop, it just seemed like I was not good at, at keeping it clean, uh, but I try to keep it as clean as possible, and, and he and I have gotten along very well on that regard, which I know is... Uh, is something all cat owners wish to have because uh, that is not uh, not fun when the cat begins to stray from its litter box. Right. We've got some callers on the line, but we need to take one final quick break. When we get back, we'll talk to Lillian from Savannah, Tennessee, and Mikey from Mobile. There's also time for your call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Back to wrap up creature comforts after this. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfeld is out this week, so it is an open pet day. We've been taking some pet questions and still have some time to take a few more at one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Lillian is on the line from Savannah, Tennessee. Lillian, you're on the air, so go ahead, please. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I have two dogs, a Maltipoo, about 20 pounds, and a Cavachon, which is, wait, Maltipoo, about 10, and the Cavachon, which is about 22-ish. And so I've been feeding them, um, I think it's the wellness brand of the small breed, more so for the glucosamine. Yes. And my Cavachon, she jumps all the time. And I thought, well, the glucosamine might actually help her because when I say jumps, that's one of the first things people notice about her is how high she jumps. So I don't know if that's a good thing to be feeding her a small breed dog when she's, you know, 22 pounds? I think you're okay with that. And I think that, you know, feeding the glucosamine is, is a good idea as well. Now, she may not actually need it, but it's sure not going to hurt. And uh, I would say that you're still okay with a small breed unless you see her starting to pick up weight and getting overweight. But okay. it sounds like she's quite active and uh, yeah. may not be an issue with her. And uh, I would say that you're okay right now. Thank 
you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Lillian, Thank thanks you. for the call. Uh, now, Dr. Major, is it much by imagination, or our poodles seem to be popular to crossbreed? It's like it's, it's like so many dogs either have poo or do in their name, and I'm, <laughs> it just seems, you know, that, that, that people like to crossbreed poodles more than other breeds. Well, I will say this, that they're looking, in many cases, they're looking for a dog that does not shed. Oh. And that's one of the reasons. On the other hand, I think I've seen just about every crossbreed that you can imagine over the years. And it seems like it's more common now uh, than it was in years past. So there are a lot of mixed breed, multi-poos, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, that's probably the main reason. The po- one of the main reasons poodles are used uh, in that cross, and uh, it gives, uh, uh, in most cases, an animal that does not shed. Mm. I never thought about that, but that, that certainly makes sense. And the snickerdoodle. No, wait, that's a cookie. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, Mikey's on the line from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. <laughs> the snickerdoodle. Good that's, a, that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, uh, I don't have any cats now, unfortunately. Um, my dogs won't let me. Uh, uh, but I've had lots and lots and lots of cats, um, uh, more than I like to even admit to at one time when I lived <laughs> in a place where I had appropriate room for them, and they were inside, outside cats. Um, and I've also been a gardener for a long time. So uh, one thing that I've found that helps a lot of people who have that, it seems to happen to everybody sooner or later, where they want to get into, particularly if you've got a large pot, you know, that's um, on your front porch or inside in a bedroom or something. And it's it's pretty simple and it's cheap. Um, I think your idea of putting down, cutting down, you know, cutting the, the oh, hard wire, rabbit wire, um, chicken wire, any of that stuff, and laying it flat is great. And uh, you can do that for the really hard-headed cats, but the real kicker is to use pine cones. They hate having <laughs> mm. anything stickery on their precious paw. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> so, good. Um, you, yeah. you, you put that, it, you know, for the really, because they can be stubborn, man. Cats will argue with you even worse than dogs will. Um, but if you really have a hard-headed one, then cut the screen and put it down, and then maybe, you know, bend some wires and clip the pine cones in place over the top, because they'll, they'll try getting up there and knocking the pine cones out okay. and if all that fails get hanging pots <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, mikey good call thanks for that that uh, makes sense and yeah I, I would imagine that uh, the pine cone and a cat's paw is not a good match there that's for sure right. let's move on next we're going to forest trey has called in today good morning trey good morning uh, we have a cat that we had fixed uh several months ago and since then her weight has kind of ballooned <laughs> and uh we are uh, she's still very active and um, still does an excellent job of cleaning herself. We're not worried yet, uh, but at the same time, we don't want her weight to get out of control. Um, and so we're, I, we do our best about monitoring her food intake, although I think my children are probably a little liberal with the treats from time to time. But, uh, but I was wondering if you had any suggestions about what are the things we need to watch uh, as far sure. as helping make sure that we can get her back down to a healthy weight. I think the main things are this. Number one, uh, measure out our food for the day. Don't just have a food uh, food bowl that's full. And talk to the kids about the treats. A few treats are fine. But uh, if if you keep the food bowl full, cats tend to graze a lot of times, and they'll come back and forth, back and forth, and, and continue to eat if it's there. So I would suggest... Uh, taking the manufacturers or whoever's making that food, taking their 
uh, assessment of how much a cat needs based on its weight and maybe cut that back just a little bit. I think they tend to overestimate uh, what a cat would need. So you don't want to cause a problem, but uh, you may need to cut back on her total intake. Okay. Uh, I would suggest that that's the, how old is this cat? Uh, she is right at a, a little yeah. over a year old. Yeah, right. I would suggest that that's the best way by measuring her food, controlling the amount, and and going from there. Are there anything particular we need to be watching for as far as signs that it might be becoming an issue? How much does she weigh? Do you know? I really don't know. Okay. I just know the last time we had her groomed that they made the comment, ooh, she's getting to be a big girl. Right. I would I would suggest getting a weight. You can do it on the bathroom scales, weigh yourself with the cat, and then you know, do the math and just kind of keep up with that and be sure not to let her continue to gain too much. And there are foods that have less calories that you could purchase, but let's try about cutting back some, okay? Okay, thanks so much. Take care. uh, Trey, thanks for the call. I would also say, uh, you know, any kind of exercise you can get the cat to do. Cats are usually very active, but I found that my cat just loves chasing a ball down the hallway. I mean, we can do that almost all night, but that's something that he, he loves to do and I've got a number of those, so that's a one suggestion. Right. There, There is an exercise wheel for cats. It looks like a gerbil wheel almost, <laughs> but it's called One Fast Cat. And uh, actually, I had one of my uh, clients give me one, and I can't get a cat to use it. So <laughs> that's the problem. Maybe if you had a cage and it was motorized, they'd have to use it, but it's not. Uh, I had a uh, one of our uh, listeners call in, and I think I'd given this before, that's Online, she can go look up. Uh, it's a book, and it's called Home Prepared Dog and Cat Diets. Okay. And uh, that probably she could get one from Amazon or somewhere like that. Yeah, and but like I said, too, in, in the Home Prepared Cat and uh, Diets. But also, like I said, I just did that quick Google search, and it's amazing, right. you know, the, number, the inf- yeah. information out there. But, yeah, that's a good, a good resource as right. well, and that's right. uh, something that, uh, that might work. Uh, just got a couple of minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about um, – about flea control, and I think we've mentioned this before that, you know, even when we had that spate of cold weather, I, I guess when it's not cold enough, long enough to where we're ever not concerned any time of year about flea control. That's correct. Uh, living here, and I imagine even in cooler climates, you still have they still have fleas, and we see fleas. I won't say every day, but we see fleas on animals pretty much uh, uh, daily, and uh, I would use some type sort of flea control that has some lasting effect. Uh, There are several. There's one that lasts for three months. Uh, It's given as a pill. There are other topical ones that work well. And uh, just uh, do an inspection of your pet. Now, you can slack off in a lot of cases during the winter months, but then there are other uh, things available, such as one that has the heartworm medicine, takes care of intestinal worms, and takes care of fleas. So it's kind of a uh, triple-type product. In terms of a flea collar, a pill, a topical, I guess maybe um, what seems to work best for your cat. And also, you know, some people might have more success with giving a pet a pill than others might. <laughs> yes. There's all kind of things online about the problems of giving a cat a pill. But it uh, depends on the cat and depends on the person that's doing it. Uh, certainly pills are okay. And uh, I would say that uh, collars can work. I have seen a fair number of collar reactions over the years uh, simply because uh, one, especially cats, don't handle it well in a lot of cases. 
uh, and there are other things. But there's a whole host of uh, uh, flea control methods, and one of the main things is it working for you and that it's not making the animal sick. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm starting to use the topical, on, and <clears throat> he lets me, he, he sits there, but then when he starts to feel the medicine going on there, he, he, <laughs> he tries to run away. <clears throat> and then there's this big wet spot, so I think I've gotten it between his shoulder blades where he can't uh, get his tongue to it to lick it off, but it's kind of right. funny because he's got that huge wet spot there, and then I'm worried that it's not quite centered enough. But so right. far, uh, nothing has happened, so I think well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Go closer to the base of his neck, to the base of his head. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't want him. Now, cats don't like stuff on them like that, and they will literally lick the hair off in a lot of cases. So try to get as close to the base of the skull as you can with that. And it's going to migrate, if you will, over the entire body uh, as far as the skin is concerned, and it will work like that. But, uh, yeah, cats are a little funny. And that, that's why we love them. You know, can't live with them, can't live without them, I think uh, most cat owners would agree. <clears throat> that's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife. And contributions from listeners like you. Our show was produced today by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next is our Thursday 10 a.m. show, MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. And tune in in 2018 for more Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.